Got Hello, it. everybody. Welcome to the podcast. It's been a minute since I've had recording, and I wanted to get Peter back on to talk about strategic carbs because it seems like it's a it's a touchy subject, and a lot of people just don't understand it. And I feel like Peter's has the knowledge to um, to explain it. Although sometimes it like I I know it's complicated, so it gets a little tricky. But uh, we'll... I'm, get, I'm getting better at not losing people, <laughs> Stephanie. But you know, I might That's I might good. get into I might get into the weeds of the deeper science. So you just have to stop me. Yeah, so that's that's the that's the problem with Peter is that he knows all the deep down nitty gritty stuff, but then when you start talking about uh, you know some of the pathways, then it, it can lose folks. But and then we'll talk a little bit about aging and um, how it affects the aging athlete because I'm getting older and I'm recovering from a long term injury, and Peter was talking about some things to do about that so if we don't get to that part about aging maybe we'll set up a time to talk about we, we, ought, to, we ought to set up we ought to set up a do the strategic carbs today and then then mention the aging but then let's save that for a different thing because there's, there's yeah. so many pieces to that because you know it's really about trying to as we age which is a natural process it's it's really about slowing that aging process and there's yeah. there's, there's a there that that's several that could be several podcasts let alone one but we can yeah. we can so get the high high points yeah yeah so we'll so we'll save that for later let's talk about strategic carbs so go over the foundation all right i'll just let you go with it and then okay I'll, so I'll let, let's pro, let's let's provide some context here about strategic carbs okay we live we live in what i call the modern man-made construct which is this wonderful, convenient life we have, right? We don't have to hunt and gather. <laughs> uh, so if we think about it from a, an evolutionary biology uh, standpoint, humans ate concentrated forms of carbohydrates, though not as concentrated as today's concentrated carb, but we ate concentrated car forms of carbohydrates three to five times a year when berries arrived or fruit was ripe or tubers arrived or we found honey. So they, they were these occasional sporadic events when the, these carbohydrate food sources, acorns, um, were available and they didn't last a long time because, you know, they would rot. They would ferment and turn to alcohol, which I think probably has a lot to do with how we figured out alcohol. Um, so if you look at that model and then compare today where most people have in their brains, especially athletes are following the conventional science of sports nutrition, <laughs> not right. Um, right. Marketing. That's called marketing. Right, yeah. right, right. Because uh, the science has gotten corrupted by certain incentives to, to make a profit. So if we look at that evolutionary thing, three to five times a year versus three to five times a day for decades. It's like, ooh, wait a second. Maybe we really aren't supposed to have those carbs three to five times a day for decades. So that, that was my, the original thinking uh, that, that got me around the whole concept. So yes, we, uh, when you look at it, step back and look at it from that evolutionary design that we were shaped for, makes total sense. We have this mechanism to really 
get be addicted to carbs really quickly because that food source for most of our existence was only a very sporadic short-lived thing like three days three to five days before the fruit you know when fruit got ripe it got ripe and it rotted right there was no refrigeration there was no selective breeding to make it have a good shelf life all these things so it was sporadic so that whole physiological mechanism where you know how it is with carbs you crave them you eat a bunch you get full you get bloated you get the carb coma the insulin you fall asleep you wake up a couple of day, hours later you're bloated you're you feel like crap but guess what you're hungry again so you eat more and it's like makes total sense in that environment in that environment that shaped us but when you come to the environment that shaped us today it's it's kind of our undoing because those carbs are available 724 365 so we've got this hard wiring that says hey i like carbs i want carbs it's going to give me a little boost blah 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 so we, we so we have this mechanism that we adapted around to harnessing carbs both for performance and to store as an energy source and for our gut biome to convert into various um, lipids and lipoproteins, et cetera, and get a little bit of nutrition because most, you know, most concentrated carb sources are mo mostly a quick energy source and, and our bodies will convert them into fat. It'll store them as glycogen and there's a tiny bit of nutrition there. It's not as nutritious as people a lot of times make it out to be. And, and the reason for that, the reason, the reason, the real reason, and I'm going to lose people, but stick with me here. The real reason like fruits and vegetables are nutritious in the modern construct is they actually help us to limit our calorie intake in terms of nutrition. So we don't get too much nutrition. Everything was in perfect balance in that evolutionary um, model. And we, we've kind of gotten clever and made it up. So back to the three to five times a day versus three to five times a year. So that's where the strategic carbs come in. So we do have it. So we want to use those carbs very strategically, but we want to build our metabolic capacity. And today's modern world, we don't have that, right? A lot of people aren't fully fat adapted. Um, right. So let's talk to a, about a person who's in, uh, like, on a, that's the big picture level is like, we weren't evolved to eat carbohydrates in mass three all the time right yeah. so let's talk about let's give a scenario of some uh athlete that has coming off all the carbs Let, let's say they're you know they were bought into the belief system that you need a lot of carbs they found that hey this isn't really helping me i don't feel great which usually the people who come to me for coaching, that's what happens, that they they have some negative thing from all the carbs. And I'm sure you get a lot of athletes who are like yeah, that. They, well. they, they come to a dead end and, and they have some, whether they have a full-blown recognition that the carbs are the problem or they suspect what they're doing is not working. They've, they've kind of gotten beyond the dogma and saying, I got to try something else. And, you know, like what, that Einstein quote that, that insanity is doing the same right. thing over and over again, over. getting the same, right. same results. And, and, and that's what's happening. And we'll talk more about that too, because there's, there's some really, really insidious messaging going on about out there about carbs. Um, so you've got two kinds. You've got 
somebody coming from a conventional high carb athletic nutrition sports diet and you got the hardcore keto so let's start with the high carb people um first you got to recognize that that your body looks as at carbs as sugar and that's a good point to start because we all can agree that too much sugar is not good Right. right, regardless of how it what form, like it. Right, right, right. And that's sugar, pasta is sugar, orange juice is sugar, as soda is sugar, they're all sugar. It's right, right. response, it's sugar. Right. And people don't realize that a bowl of rice or a bowl of pasta or bread is, or the bagel is sugar. See, that's that's one of the big messages for the high carb athletes is you've got to recognize it. Let's start from a point we can all agree upon. I want to get a conversation because, you know, we live in a world now that's bifurcated, right? Republicans, Democrats, Christians, Muslims, you know, and don't even get me started on the gender thing, right? But everything's bifurcated into these camps, right? Nobody wants to have a conversation. So here we are, we're having a conversation and we want to converse with you, the audience. And that is, here's something we can all agree on. Everybody, nobody's going to say too much sugar isn't going to hurt you, Right. Right. Well, there are some there are some researchers, quote unquote researchers, who say that you have to train your body to use more sugar. So there are some camps that say more sugar is better for endurance athletes. For performance, but let's look at, you know, for most people, even the elite athletes, they're all concerned about their health because we're hardwired to survive, right? Right. And we, we all know so you're right about that, but that's that's where the strategic carbs come in, right, Stephanie? Right, right. right? I know. I'm trying to get, but I'm trying to throw out like yeah. what questions people will have because so, I've heard it all, and there's like people have some pretty. Oh, I still, I still well, look, but, Stephanie. I'm, I'm in your please. camp because I still remember when people come to me about what that Ignacio San Remo or whatever his name is. I He's doing mitochondria. And I still go back to, you know what? I can't get behind the guy because he personally slammed one of my friends and somebody I, I got on this at a conference in front of everybody, dressed her down when she asked about it. Now all of a sudden he's the big guru about it. I know like, he gets promoted a lot, but we're not gonna I'm not gonna Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't want to be haters but, but, here. But but, but the yeah. point is but yeah so yeah so so okay so we can agree I want to give the audience something to 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 be able to start a discussion with just which is you know pretty much everybody out there who's going to listen to this knows that too much sugar is a bad thing it's just making that that cognitive connection that concentrated your body sees concentrated carbs as glucose which is blood sugar and that's key for the audience to connect. So if you're eating a lot of concentrated carbs, and when I say that, it's things like all the obvious suspects, like the soda, the the pastries, the bread, um, but it's also the whole grain pastas, the rice, um, tortilla chips, you know, potatoes, even uh, sweet potatoes to a certain extent. I mean, or those like are less orange juice. I had a friend juice. stop talking to me because. I said orange juice was not really any different metabolically than a soda, a Coca-Cola. And no, it's, she... it, it's not. And, and, and to a point, orange juice has a place. Like if you have somebody in a diabetic going into a diabetic coma, that's the thing you give it to them because orange juice works better than anything else. Right. But everything's context. So context right. is everything. Right. But she, 
but it's she sugar. didn't even want to have a conversation about it. She felt like I was shaming her as a parent because she let her child drink orange juice. I'm like, you can give your child what you want. I, it's not up to me, but don't don't lie to yourself and think that it's healthy. It's a health food. Yeah, it's a, not a health food. Yeah, it's something. It's something. Occasionally, it can be healthy because of what it has into, especially if it's fresh squeezed. But don't fool yourself. That's a that's a big hit of sugar, right? It's a it's a shock to your system. And like I say, using that three to five time a year model, hey, occasionally it's okay. You know, we're old enough, quote unquote, to remember when getting a coke was a treat. Right. It wasn't a staple, and that's that's kind of how I look at. It. But but then of course, where I'm going with this is okay. We we agree this sugar, but. You know, the thing about proper fat adaptation, not keto, but, but proper fat adaptation is you build the metabolic capacity to where you, your, your body, your cells are robust to where they can take the hit occasionally. And that's a big right. part of it. But they first have to, you have to first get your cells reset, right? You got to metabolically reset them so that they can, they can get off that addiction. It's a physiological addiction. If somebody's coming from a a conventional high carb diet and they need to eat every two or three hours. Otherwise they get hangry in, in daily life. You know, they have those energy swings and they're utterly dependent upon sports, quote unquote, nutrition, external calories during training and racing. Um, they've, they, they've got a physiological addiction because again, let's go back to that biological evolutionary biology model. Primitive man didn't get up in the morning, make a bowl of oatmeal, grab a bunch of gels, grab a spear and go hunting. He got up, he probably had a, he, he's fasted uh, and probably, probably fasted a couple of days since the last kill. So he got up, grabbed a spear and went hunting and he had to perform as if his life depended on it because guess what? It really did. <laughs> um, so um, if you, if you have to have that bowl of oatmeal and a couple of gels to do a three or four hour workout, of, and you're whatever. very broken, right? You're metabolically broken at that you're, point. You're, 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 yeah. You're metabolic. You're, you're, you're actually addicted to sugar in the same. And that's why I don't want to quote unquote sugarcoat it. Is you got to make that connection. Concentrate carbs equal sugar, and you got to manage them well in that evolutionary model. And so, so let's let's say that the athlete knows that they are like, hey, I know that. So right. they are like, I want to be fat So I want to, I want to be fat adapted. Well, let's, 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 let's go, let's, let's, let's frame it, let's frame it this way though, Stephanie. Okay. So now we got the sugar is bad. Now let's think, I want the audience to think about this. The reason we carry a lot of fat on our bodies, pretty much limitless calories, and we carry only a certain amount of glycogen is because only 1800 to 2000 calories. Right, right. Right. Okay. Let me frame this in a different way. So the reason we carry all those calories is that's that is what we're meant to burn aerobically. Okay, that's what we're meant to burn. And all the focus has been on your external calories and your glycogen stores. And that is our fight or flight. And that is our bridge, our bridge fuel. It's not our main source of fuel. And they've made this focus entirely on the fight or flight fuel, not the sustainable fuel source you know if you if you look at that evolutionary model we're self-sustaining beings we can go for days hunting and gathering to get what we need and i don't like 
again, we didn't live in a feast and famine environment. Most humans during most of our development didn't have feast and famine. They had feasting and fasting because we figured out really quickly where the food sources were. And when you read the, the annals of people like Lewis and Clark and the, the people who went into Africa, the first white men to go in Africa, the first white men to go into um, Western US and California and all these places, they write about how the game was teaming and there was tubers that, you know, the, the Indians knew to get acorns or find tubers and food was never a problem, especially low carb foods, right? It just, it took a lot of effort and some risk to go get it. So we would kill an animal, feast on it, and then fast just like a lion would do. So um, that is what, so we, we stored energy as fat and some glycogen because we needed that and we we used it up and then we we stored more so that's that's the model so if you can kind of have some buy into that rather than uh, you can start to realize that this utter dependence every two or three hours on some carbohydrates to get keep your blood sugar up um is a is a is like you say it's it's an addiction uh you're, you're metabolically broken and you need to reset so that so that's where we come to now and that's that that reset is all about restricting carbohydrates and and you know it's as you know working with clients it's it's literally just like any other substance withdrawal let's not you know we just don't need to kid ourselves about it right it's it's no difference than people going through alcohol or caffeine or nicotine or or other substances right whether they're prescription substances or illegal drugs it's substance withdrawal uh, but you can do it Right. right. <clears throat> so, right. So then let's switch over because there's a lot of people who I work with who've already gone through that step of realizing that they're not addicted anymore. They're full keto and they've been they've been training <coughs> and racing even as a ketogenic athlete. So their body's obviously gotten good at, at burning fat, but they are afraid to add in the carbs. That's so why they're carbophobic. Right. So that's, let's talk about that scenario about how your body, once you've trained your body to burn fat, that's step one. Step two. Yeah. You is, reset, you, let's just say you reset your body back to burning fat the way it's meant to. Right. Right. This is how we're meant to do it. Okay. Step two. Step two, I want you to talk about. Okay, so here's the strategic deal. carbs. That's I'm going to back. I'm going to back. I want, yeah. yeah, I want to, okay. and we're going to get to the strategic carbs and the metabolic right. capacity in a minute. But I want people to understand this because there's a big problem out there, and what we're doing is fundamentally different, right? Um, than straight keto or straight high carb. And the problem is nobody has any frame of reference to what we're doing because we're, we're talking about something different and individualized. So what happens with OFM and proper fat adaptation for performance and health is we get lumped into that hardcore keto because nobody has a point of reference. So they just think, oh, it's keto and I'm not doing keto. So it's important whether you're a keto person or a high carb person or kind of trying to figure this out to understand if you're on a specific program, whether it's a diet, exercise, lifestyle, all the things wrapped in one, if you're on something that limits you to one energy source, 
you're not as metabolically fit as you think you are. So we've already established the problem with sugar and too many carbs. I'm going to establish also that keto, straight keto, as it's defined by the science, limits your performance and health. Because as you know, when you're on straight keto, you downregulate your pyruvate dehydrogenase pathway, which is your sugar burning pathway. And you can, you're, you can go all day, but you just can't go. You can't find those gears you need to go fast, right? It's a performance limiter. That's, it's well-established in the literature and observational evidence. And this is why keto has gotten a bad rap because it's a reality that nobody in the keto sphere the hardcore keto, like I said, we're in these tribes, right? Nobody well, in the hardcore keto, most people don't have performance goals. They don't care. So right, but, but, do- uh, I, but, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butt you there, Stephanie, because this is the thing. When you're hardcore keto, you're still limiting your health. You, if, you, if you have to stay on a high-fat macro to keep – to keep your ketones up and keep you on, you're not, your metabolic capacity is not good. You're metabolically suboptimal. It's just a, it's a fact of life. And that's why these people need to get built, working and build metabolic capacity. Now is where we start to talk, talk about the strategic carbs. So you get reset into that keto state, but then you have to build your metabolic capacity. That's through aerobic exercise and through pushing training. out that. Training, you need, we're made to move because that gives your cells that adaptive stress to get bigger, stronger, make more mitochondria, really make the lipid bilayer, the cell, cell fatty acid um, compositional profile. That's really important for, for the metabolism of energy and all the processes. You have to build those things up, your mitochondria, and you do that by building your aerobic capacity because, as we know, it takes twice the oxygen per ATP to burn fat via beta oxidation, not ketosis because that's a byproduct and a proxy, but beta oxidation requires twice the oxygen per ATP unit as glucose. So you build this huge aerobic capacity, and it, it also takes things like you know, we have to address vitamin D because most people are low in vitamin D. Things like magnesium. Those are the low-hanging fruit because most people are low in magnesium and and low in vitamin D. Um, you have to get the sugar down and that means cutting the carbs. But at the same time, we also want to get people to be very mindful and aware of their chronic stress because chronic stress is as big a deal as the carbohydrates. Right. That'll um, make you, regardless if you have everything dialed in, if you don't get enough sleep and you're stressed out all the time, you're not going to become well. That's exactly right. If, you, if you're not sleeping, you're not recovering, and you're like having a fight or flight response, a mini fight or flight response to every notification you get on your device or a text, and you're texting back and all that stuff, that's, that's, that's sugar burn. Okay. So you have to be mindful of all those to build your metabolic capacity. And then, once you get to a certain point of building that where you you're starting to be able to, to exercise for prolonged periods of time, what I call the golden window for a sedentary person, it's getting to where they could, you know, clean the house or clean the yard for two or three hours and not bonk and not be on the couch the rest of the afternoon. They just, it's just like a normal physical activity for an endurance athlete. It's being able to, 
you know, do a two or three hour workout in a fasted state on water and salt, maybe a Vespa, maybe a piece of candy, but nothing, nothing, you know, or like your favorite Rolos, right? Just a, a little tiny thing. And, and I haven't actually had any Rolos. Well, it's too hot here now, but since that one race, but I did like my PR on, but yeah, it was a good, but, it but it's, it's not, it's, it's, yeah. it's a tiny, it it's tiny. trivial, yeah, it's, tiny. T- it's trivial calories, right? So right. when you build your capacity up to that, that's, that's a good signal that your, your body has built up the mitochondria and is got the metabolic capacity to be metabolically flexible. There's a lot of talk about metabolic flexibility, but you can't be flexible if you don't have the capacity. You can't be truly flexible. Your body. Right. Like you have you, to have first build the metabolic engine. That's right. That's right. And now once your metabolic engine is, is well functioning. Then, then you can start to bring in the carbohydrates strategically around your, your, your training efforts to, to push that training. And and by pushing your training, because this is where the pyruvate dehydrogenase comes in, because it allows you to access glucose when you're pushing yourself, right? It, whether it's right. And so that's sort of your interval training, crit racing, um, tempo, kills, yes, everything, right. everything that's going to push it to your threshold. And, and even with maybe mini surges into anaerobic glycolysis, aerobic glycolysis. Okay. That is an adaptive stressor that actually is going to help you get stronger to not only use that carbohydrate and that PDH pathway that accesses sugar, but it also is an important stressor to build your fat adaptation. So you can burn more fat at higher intensities. And that's what the keto people don't get because they're crapping their pants over 50 grams a day. If you go over, you know, you're over 75 grams, you're like, right. You're going to right. right. So let's talk about the, the low, the window of, so elite, the difference there's, there's a study that took the difference between recreational athletes and elite athletes and compare runners, their recreational runners compared to elite runners and compared the rate of perceived exertion that elite runners were the X, the burning fat before they started burning sugar was way to the right. So they were burning fat. And I think it was, what was the rate? It was at least two times three. Yeah, exactly. They built that metabolic capacity. Right. Or some people genetically are gifted and they have that. Like some people are. No, there's, there's no doubt genes play a role, but we also have to remember genes are, are like a a third tier thing because for the gene expression, you got the epigenetics. So we all, we all need to build ourselves as an individual. I'm not saying, right. I'm just saying people, some people have it's a little easier. Well, like Lance Armstrong, Lance Armstrong, regardless of what people think of Lance Armstrong, he has a big engine. Right. Right. He was gifted with a big engine and, and you're right. And he was able to develop it using both conventional techniques and, and, comes, and right. not so, not so conventional techniques. Right. right. Um, right. But, um, but yeah, you're no, no, I'm, I'm not just you're, you're right about the genetics, but it's really like, OK, I just wanted to say that because I mean, I'm married to a tall, thin guy who eats who's a got a big engine. Yeah. And that's he doesn't work at that, like harder than like people are like, well, he rides a lot. Well, I train as much or more than he does. 
I, my window of, uh, of my range of error or where I have to be strict about what I do is much more narrow than his, but I, well, and that's that, you know, a lot of that is not just genetics. That's also your female gender biology versus his male, uh, expendable yeah. male thing. You're supposed to nurture and store and, you know, your biological imperative in life. I mean, is, is, is a very different thing. So you're wired genetically and hormonally, you know, gender specific hormonally for a di very different role. So yes, we got to take all these things into account. Absolutely. But we all want to get that engine, whatever our, uh, whatever right. it's, it's like the old saying in poker, you, you play the hand you're dealt and you can, right. You can I play just wanted to, to the reason why I said that is because I want the people listening to realize that some people are just going to adapt faster. Some people are going absolutely. to have a bigger range. So don't take it personally that your, your, your tinkering may take a little more tinkering to figure out. Uh, what oh, absolutely. For you. Like, like, like we give people like with the metabolic reset, we give people a four week, it's a four week program, but you get a pretty metabolically fit athlete they'll 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 be in five days they'll be ready to go on to adaptation it's either two to three days or two to three weeks before they you know that's the range right and so people need to to recognize they're on their journey and um and that females need to recognize that you guys are complicated we're simple i mean we're dirt simple and it's generally males adapt easier than females because but but if you can get that code for you as a female turned up. Remember when you set that record on the Rolos? When you get that turned on, it just goes, whoa, because because women are, are fat burning machines too. It's just, it's just a very different motivation. It's like I say, you know, the reason you have more sensitive appetites, you store more, you give it up less is because from a cycle of life perspective, you know, late gestation, childbirth, lactation, those are times where you're not very good at hunting and gathering. So you're impaired for doing that and you can't depend on the male to be around. Um, so you have to be self-sustaining. And that's a time when that's what the programming is. It's like women are, are designed to store. So for that big cycle of life party where they're, they're, you know, they're, they're in late gestation, childbirth and lactation, where they turn into these um, ketone making cholesterol making, uh, factories to nurture that next generation of life. And, and that's, that's the basic biological imperative. So it's like, okay, this is interesting. So how do we turn that on for a woman in everyday life? And that's, it's a complicated, very individualized thing because you have all these variables. And, and, and so, yeah, you're, you're right about the fact that you're on your, your own journey. And you, you, like I say, while the biology is, pretty straightforward and established that last mile for the individual, figuring out what variables, what levers you got to pull, what things you got to address to get you in that fat burning state. Uh, are, and, and, and of course, if a woman's in her fertile years and she has a cycle, that changes within the cycle. So here we go. You know, it's like, I'm trying to give this big picture so people understand, oh, okay, I got things to figure out, you know, and if I'm a guy, like my friend, Chris, he's, he's working nights right now. He's, he went from rice season working 12, 14 hour days 
uh, seeding rice and fertilizer to now he's working 10, 12 hour nights uh, killing bugs um, and, and having to do that, you know, flying close to the ground at night. So, you know, but he shot, right? And so his fat burning has gone to heck. Uh, so there's, the, you know, it's, it's figuring out these variables. And like you said, you know, you got to be willing to step back and look at you and your situation. And then, you know, people like us are here to help guide you in that process. So, right. So, as, so, so let's say the person's gone through their four weeks or whatever, they're burning fat. And now they're like, well, I want to perform well. I feel, I feel good. I'm sleeping well. Everything's optimized. Whatever you figure out. Yeah, you got, they got their, they've got their vitamin D up. They're taking magnesium. They're, you know, they're just in good place. So, so this is where the strategic card come in, but it's, it's, it's never one thing, right? This is the thing people, we're given messages of one thing, like the new gel with the hydro gel that absorbs faster. It's not like that. These things work in concert. So you have to consider yourself like a, a symphony orchestra conductor. And you've got this big concert of things all playing together. You get beautiful music. And so you bring in the carbs around your training. So those two things go hand in hand so that you can use the carbs to push your training, especially the higher level training. And if you're doing really long stuff, like you're going to go out for four or five hours, six hours, seven hours and do a brick or do an all day trail run or hike. Those are the times to bring in some carbs around that training. So before you want to do, you know, before you want to have what we call a carb sneak, you sneak some carbohydrates in um, under a blanket of fat with some protein. Uh, and, um, and that's the meal before and you want it digested before you start training you don't want it right that's before. right that's the night before we, we actually you know most of the time people are having very light meals or just coffee and cream something really simple or fasted for their workouts because they just don't feel hungry and they perform better because remember if you're if you're trying to digest that's a resource and you need a lot of blood to digest well particularly when it comes to fat and protein that's why carbs are like, I recommend carbs when you're racing because that's the easiest to digest. But, but the whole point is when you're, if you do the, do it the night before you have it, like you say, it's digested. You, if you do it, time it right. And you don't have a bunch of fibrous vegetables, you can, you can, you know, eliminate it before you run or just at the start of a run or a cycle. Um, and then, and then you can go all day, right? And then that gives you that boost to be able to push yourself because you've topped off your glycogen stores. You've actually topped off your liver fat stores because when you're fat adapted, you not only pull from your glycogen internally, but your liver is programmed to make ketones, glucose, and free fatty acids to meet that metabolic need. And that's, that's something that people don't realize is that when you're carbohydrate dependent, you're solely dependent upon those carbohydrates from your glycogen stores and what you can take in through your external calories. But that of course comes with a digestive cost, right? right. And so, but, but when you're fat adapted and, and to a point the elite athletes are, their livers, your liver will make glucose without catabolizing protein. It also makes ketones. And we've seen this We've seen this in a lot of athletes. They'll do a fasted workout on Vespa and then they'll hammer it 
20 or 30 minutes before the end, and then they'll track their glucose post-exercise. And they'll see a mild ketone rise, and they'll see this big spike, like 150 to 200 milligrams post-exercise. Yeah, I have, uh, I've tracked that personally. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that is, and then, and that, that's, that's your liver making glucose. And, and that it all gets shunted into glycogen. And that was shown in the faster study. Um, they all get shunted. So it's perfectly benign. It's just that when you stop exercise, your body just doesn't instantly shut off that pathway. It takes about 10 minutes for it to, it gets a signal. Oh, I've stopped exercise, but it takes about 10 minutes to ramp down that production, you know, the hormonal signaling. So you've got these really good internal resources to get glucose. And then you, you feed it with a little bit of those strategic carbs. And when I say, strategic, right. and so what we're, Yes. Talk specifically about what a strategic carb is. Because okay, I have so, some athletes who are doing little gummies. Um, gummy, well, I have a guy in Wales who does gummy babies, which yeah. I um, but like little gummy, like tiny little things that you can dose. Right. So first when, okay, like we've talked about before, getting a little doing a carb sneak. So you load up with a little bit of carbohydrates, but not enough to where it it causes insulin to go crazy. Uh, and then during, you want to be strategic about it. And the reason I say strategic, you know, you get into the, this thing about formulas and that, that to me is, is, can be misleading because. But um, somebody needs a starting point. So let's right, no, 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 but, but here's, I'm going to give them a starting point. Like say, okay. like say you got a race and we all know with races, you got fast. So, so right at the start, not, not five or 10 minutes before, but right at the start, you can hit a little bit of carbohydrates. Like a Vespa junior has a bit of orange juice in it. Boom. You take a Vespa junior at the, at the start of a race, or like you say, a Rolo or a gummy right at the start, like, like 30 seconds, it'll instantly get burned into burned as glucose for, for, physiological thing and then where if you want to throw down you got a place in a marathon or you got a hill to climb whether on your, you're on a bike or running you got a hill to climb so you're coming downhill and you know you got to climb well five or ten minutes before you hit you do a hit of, of calories and if you're fat adapted 30 to 50 calories is all you need you don't need a big hit because that's going to place a digestive cost on you you hit that little bit of, of glucose, you make your make sure your hydration is on point, right? So sodium and water, get that topped off and or, or take a take a sodium, take some sodium in and then start drinking some water so that as you go up that hill or you're going to throw down and put an effort in, like say, say you know there's a spot on a bike race where you want to, you know, do a breakaway or something like that. Five, 10 minutes later, when that blood sugar is starting to rise, that's when you hit that extra effort. So that that blood sugar rise is is feeding that extra effort. And plus, you've got your hydration on point, which goes hand in hand. Once again, we've got training, we've got external calories, but we got hydration in there to generate the power, to thermoregulate so you don't overheat and implode, et cetera. Right. That's when you take is when you want to so so throughout the race. And if you're doing ultra endurance. As you go deeper into an ultra endurance event and you start fatigue starts to set in, you know, like an Ironman or a 50 miler or 100K or 100 miler, anything that's or a 200 mile bike, you know, randonnée race, something like that, where you're, you're going to start to see fatigue. 
you need to start increasing those extra calories because as you increase fatigue, your cortisol goes up, you're going to be more of a sugar burner. So it's, it's important to start a feed of, of calories. So backing back up, then there's the, then there's environmental conditions and you living in Phoenix know this real well, right? You can digest pretty well early on. And then you get to the heat of the day. It's, it's hydration almost exclusively focused on hydration, right? right? And thermal regulation. Then as it cools back down, you can start to get more calories in. So, so if you're, if you know, you're going into a environment that's going to be hot, you want to get started, get to the switch, which is when all those internal pathways are upregulated. So that's usually for an endurance event, an hour, hour and a half, two hours, you want to get really set in. Um, Then you want to start a feed while it's still cool and you have the capacity to digest. And then when you go through the heat of the day, focus on hydration and just a trickle of simple sugars because that strategic carb, like simpler sugars with the right hydration will transit your GI tract osmotically and not have a big digestive cost because that's- Right, and that's that's a a problem a lot of keto adapted people like, oh, I recognize I need strategic carbs, but instead of doing- very quick acting strategic carbs. They'll use slow strategic They'll use carbs. something like Yukon or complicated carbs or maltodextrin. And, and what happens there is your body, it's, it's, it's resource allocation. Your body is trying to thermoregulate to survive. So all that blood goes from your muscles where it's creating energy, right? And your mitochondria ATP, and it's going to the skin surface to sweat, to, to keep, keep the body cool. And so your GI tract is basically on sleep mode. It's not getting a lot of blood. The, the epithelial cells, the villi, that's the lining of your stomach. It's, it looks like a big shag carpet in pictures, but they, they're not getting much blood. And if you add too much sugar, you're, you're damaging those cells because of oxidative stress. So the digestive cost, and especially like with UCAN, they see this with UCAN because it's made to transit the gut slowly. The, the, the GI tract will shut down and then you have these carbohydrates, whether it's maltodextrin, um, you can, any, any carbohydrate, if you take in too much, it'll just sit there and guess what? It starts to ferment. You get anaerobic fermentation going. That's when the bloating, the GI the issues really gas, right. the vomiting, the diarrhea get really ugly. So that's why it's really important to use simple sugars and just a trickle of them and focus on your hydration because the osmosis of, of the right balance of electrolytes to water will just transit that gut throughout the osmotic potential. Cool. Um, well, I'm running that's out important. Of time. That's important. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's so I only have about five more minutes, Peter. Okay. So, so I just tell, so, us, tell folks. So let me, let me just you. finish up brief, briefly. Okay. So we've got this. So, Likewise, when it's when you're racing in the cold, if you get cold and wet, you need to add extra calories because your body needs to maintain core body temperature. So if you're doing a race and it turns cold and you get your kit wet or your top wet and your cold, your 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 torso is cold, you need extra calories. And again, probably come from carb or real food, mostly carbs, just to just to keep that burn going. And then after if you're in a high training load, especially if you're doing a lot of high intensity work, you do some carbs before the night before. And then that first meal after the race, have about a third to a half of the amount of carbohydrates you had in that pre 
training meal as a little bit of a refeed because um, if you're using not, an intense block of training, right? If you're if you've got a big block of training, you need to have carbs, and you and you'll drag yourself an adrenal stress hole if you're trying to be straight keto. And so that little bit of carb, it's it's re, it's not really so much to top off your glycogen. It's that it's the first meal. You don't have to eat thirty minutes right after. You have to. It's when you're ready to eat, but just bring in a tiny portion of concentrated carbs, because it's not to t- trigger your your glycogen stores it's that you're using insulin the way it's meant to be used which is that little bit of carbs will trigger an insulin response and insulin after a workout your insulin is low your insulin sensitivity is very high and what people don't know is insulin is one one of the most anabolic hormones there is after hgh and testosterone in that context see we're using insulin right now as a sledgehammer Massive amounts of insulin is a sledgehammer to drive down blood sugar, right? In the diabetic world, because we eat too many carbs chronically. But when you get your insulin down, your insulin sensitivity up, insulin's actually very anabolic. But it's it's in that context. So right after a workout, when you're mostly most insulin sensitive, you can deal with the sugar. A little tiny shot of carbohydrates will create this anabolic effect from the insulin. So it's a that's a very important strategic carb. Uh, point of reference and then then like when you're then after that first meal then you go low carb you know non-starchy vegetables so to, right right protein you see as food and fat and then you go to that in your recovery phase and then when you're getting ready to ramp back up you bring a few more carbs in so that's that's the strategic that's carbs in the yeah right especially during the build phase of training so right right the, the adaptation and when you get into a high phase of training don't be afraid of carbs and on race day don't be afraid of carbs because you know what what you and i both see you know it's like you got you got like i said you got more of this bifurcation you got the high carb people who get wrecked on carbs and then you got the 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 keto people who are carb phobic who get into adrenal stress situations because they're trying to train and perform and they're digging themselves holes because they can't push themselves and their body's looking for an ability to meet that metabolic need and they can't. And they, you know, they get these adrenal stress uh, issues from not having any carbohydrate in the diet. Cool. All right. Where can people find you, Peter? Um, Vespapower.com and OFM.io. And Stephanie, Stephanie's a great resource. Uh, she gets it. I want to give a big shout out to her. So go to her. We're, we're a big resource for the Right. My website now is stephanieholbrook.com. So I've um, gone away from keto endurance because I felt like it was too complicated for people to get. It's uh, Yeah. And, and there's lots of people in that keto sphere. And it's like. I know. And the uh, and it was hampering getting local clients because I had people wanting to refer people to me and then they see that and they're like ah i'm not gonna do that but it's yeah like, well, that, no, well that's the problem that's the problem i do more than just right know. but that's that's the, that's that's the the problem is is people get you know this the the keto thing is great i'm not i'm not knocking keto but it's not the end all be all it's a it's it's, it's a tool to get you to your health and and people lump you Libby, you were getting lumped into that their impression of keto and they're like, Oh, I'm not going to do that. It's keto. Right. And they didn't. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's why I, I changed to something a little more broad 
and just focusing on on helping people and it's you know meeting people where they're at so somebody who's not that's exactly it that it's that last mile and my advice to the audience is like yes we're addicted to convenience we want to be told what to do we want as simple as possible but no you're not simple you're complex there's a lot of variables so you have to work with somebody like stephanie or me to go that last mile to figure out the variables including genetics but but genetics is a, it's like epigenetics. What are the variables that are going to make those genetics work for you or work against you? And a perfect example of that is Jeff Browning. And Jeff is, you know, it's his day job. And yet 51, he's at the top of the sport still, right? And he looks lean. He looks great. He's winning races. He's racing all the time. Everything's perfect. But you look at this from a genetic standpoint, he says, Everybody thinks he's a freak, right? But he's not. Yeah. He comes He comes from mis- Midwest Missouri, was raised on a farm. His parents followed the sad diet. His brother followed the sad diet. And you look at, and I'm not mean to bag on his family, but their traje- their genetic trajectory was very different from Jeff's. Yeah, well, it's for a lot of us who, who change the way we eat and perform. But I'm gonna have to let you go because I have another call, Peter, like okay, right after great. this. But it's great talking to you and we're going to have you back on and we're going to talk about aging, the aging athlete. Yeah. Longevity. That, and Jeff, once again, we'll leave it with that. Jeff is a perfect example of how you can keep it going. All right, Steph. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Let me know when this comes out. I will.